0: Welcome back to the Greater Eastside Agent podcast uh, sponsored by Cleveland Street Mortgage I'm your host Chris Buteau and uh, you know the interesting thing about you know, these times you know when things are slower deals are harder some deals get done that just wouldn't have otherwise got done and some of these people kind of really need this kind of attention, you know, when they wouldn't get this kind of attention because deals are harder, they're fewer and far between, people are willing to do more to get things done. This was a really interesting one. A borrower had a um, a home that was um, uh, damaged in a flood. Uh, all of the drywall from two feet and below was, was torn out through the house and some other damage. So this was a pretty, you know, pretty challenging sale and the borrower didn't have a lot of money to fix okay to fix these things it needed all the money possible out of this home to buy the new house that they were buying it didn't have money to fix this ahead of time to put it out there and so um seller excuse me didn't have the money to fix this and so what happened is they you know the buyer came in the way they put this deal together is the buyer actually brought in their own inspector this was an fha purchase bought in their own inspector Um, appraiser and just said okay what is going to be you know necessary to be done in order for this to pass an FHA appraisal and so they got that list and they they did the work you know they did the work they did the work themselves They came in and fixed it all up and enabled this property then to be sold you know typically you see that kind of a property you think okay we're gonna need some kind of a rehab loan and everybody knows those are those are challenging they take a lot longer they require a much you know bigger investment up front. But, um, you know, this was actually a kind of a, a, a win-win on both sides. A so really creatively put together deal. Um, work was done ahead of time. Obviously, you know, some risks taken on by the, by the uh, buyers in that scenario. But, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of good things come out of taking calculated risks. So, interesting, uh, interesting antidote. Um, talk about plays that work. Um, this has to do with listings. And, um, you know, one of the plays that's working for one of the agents that I work with from time to time is just getting a seller inspection, the seller doing their own inspection. Obviously, that's not super revolutionary, um, but really it's important to think about that maybe on every single deal. Now, when we were in the white hot market, you know, seller's market where people were waving everything, you didn't see that a lot, but maybe it was even relevant there because even though, you know, you had... Yeah, basically the, you know, the table stakes were waiving everything in order to be at the table in order to possibly win the deal. Um, That means that some people who weren't comfortable or capable of completely waiving inspection on a property weren't at the table, you know, when they could have been, they could have waived everything else, potentially, you know, financing and that kind of thing. Um, So even in that white hot sellers market, it could have expanded the pool of potential buyers and expanded the competition even greater. But in this market in particular. You know, it makes a lot of sense because you know you remove that barrier from potential buyers and the other thing you do for your seller of course when you're getting a seller inspection is is you're removing that negotiating chip off the table for the most part by and large once once you have your own inspection things are known and they're not going to be coming back negotiating with you for thousands of dollars over things that really don't necessarily need to be a negotiating point in the deal but when an inspection happens post-contract, you know they're coming back with some sort of a negotiating position, or typically they're going to be doing that. But if you have that seller inspection, you invest you know, five, $700 in that ahead of time, you might be saving yourself thousands of dollars. And, and just you know, maybe even more than that if the inspection actually does reveal, issue, you know, reveal issues. So do your own and um, save yourself the grief. Give yourself more certainty. Widen the pool of potential buyers lower the potential for negotiated reductions in your sales price Let's Talk about economic news um, we've had kind of a tough three weeks in a row really kind of rates have been ticking up every every week and you know what's what's going on i mean on the one hand inflation is cooling right it's it is cooling we've seen a consistent and 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 very um, steady improvement in the inflation numbers, you know, month by month by month, when we see these numbers come out, you know, the consumer price index, the uh, the personal expenditure numbers, these numbers are improving. Now, they're, they're not where the Fed wants them to be yet. So, so that's one thing. But I think, considering where they are and the trend that we've seen over the last several, you know, several months now, considered in isolation, we might expect to have a more optimistic market and maybe rates being pressured downward, but that's not happening. Um, yet. And, and I think a couple of reasons for that is, you know, one is the, you know, the inflation is cooling, but not where the Fed wants it to be. So, you know, the core inflation is still not as low as Fed is targeting. Uh, but perhaps more importantly, two other things are happening. The job market, it's cooling a little bit, but it's still pretty strong. And when you have more jobs than you have people willing to take the jobs, then the jobs have to offer more money. I mean, I just heard about, I don't know, I think the United Auto, Auto Unions, Strike that! They're, that they're threatening or negotiating, and they're talking about a forty percent increase in wages over a three-year period. That's enormous, you yeah, know. That's enormous leverage, and and that is something that the Fed is concerned about. They're concerned about an overheated jobs market where the employees have a tremendous amount of power, and we're going to see increases. You know, we're going to see increases, and that's going to promote inflation again. So and until we see that job market cooling, maybe unemployment claims, initial unemployment claims. Ticking up a little bit on a, on a four-week moving average, you know, then I think that's going to be an an, uh, an upward pressure on on um, interest rates, and the other thing is, you know, the economy's still pretty good. You know, the Fed's kind of basically pivoting away from all but guaranteeing that we're going to have a recession and I think a lot of people still are predicting that and you know we've seen this inverted yield curve and that is 100 percent of the time historically predicts an infl- you know, a recession so I think there's still a, a, a you know a, a reasonable chance for that but I think the Fed at the, at the same time is just looking at the economic numbers you know the you know, GDP growth is still there and 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 realizing that it, it's if it's going to happen, it's going to be a lot later than they anticipated. They thought we'd be already into it already. And then recessions are deflationary. They, you know, they cool an economy. And so without that deflationary pressure, that means that the Fed is still going to feel that pressure to, to, to stay on top of things and potentially either keep raising rates or not lower them as soon as they would otherwise do. And here's the other thing. You know, Ultimately, you know, the Fed doesn't set mortgage rates. They even set the treasury bond rates. They have a tremendous amount of influence on that, of course. Um, but the market is what ultimately determines. In one huge impact on mortgage rates and, and treasury bonds, you know, treasury bonds are what how the government gets money. They issue treasury bonds, and people invest in them. They buy treasury bonds, which is essentially lending the government money, and the Fed pays you back. Now, what happens when the government's spending like? They're spending now like a bunch of politicians, right? The government, when they're spending at the incredible levels that they're spending at right now, that creates a huge supply of bonds. They need to borrow a lot of money. And so those bonds are going out in the marketplace. Now, if you're going to borrow money, that means somebody on the other side has to want to invest, you know, in in a bond and want to loan you money so they can earn interest on that. And if you're the only guy out there and you have, you know, you want to borrow some money, Someone comes to invest for you and, and they, that's the investment that they want. They want to invest in a bond and you're the only one out there. Then there's the negotiating power that you have in terms of what interest rate you have to pay to attract that. But if there's a bunch more competing investments for your same borrowed money, if you need to borrow money, but there's a whole bunch of other people who want to borrow money too, then you're going to have to offer a higher interest rate in order to attract that money. And that's what's going on right now. You know, whenever the whenever the government is spending you know, high amounts and they're having to borrow a large amount, so it's increasing the supply of borrowers out there saying, "I want to borrow money," and and you have to in- increase the rate that you're offering in order to do that. And mortgage backed securities are what fuel mortgage interest rates, and they're considered a you know a, a very comparable asset class to these treasury bonds that the U.S. government's issuing. You know, their risk profile is pretty similar. You know, treasury bonds are backed by the full faith and credit of the U.S. government. Never have the U.S. government defaulted on that. But mortgage-backed securities are pretty close. They're backed by mortgages, and they're essentially implicitly, you know, not explicitly, but implicitly backed by the federal government as well, as we saw when the crash happened. And so they're considered a similar asset class. And so as the government increases their borrowing through issuing greater you know, numbers of treasury bonds, then mortgages have to keep up. Yeah, you know, there's more competing money wanting to borrow out there, offering higher rates, and so mortgages have to keep up. And so that is also putting upward pressure. None of this changes, I think, the long-term expectation. There's a there's a widespread expectation that we are going to see rates come down. A lot of these things that we're seeing now are, you know, there, there's a lot of compounding factors that have us as high as we are. Even if all of these other things were going on, there's some other, you know, we had the banking crisis in March. There's some things that are, that, that are kind of residual influences, keeping rates up, those things are, are, are going to mitigate to some extent. And so I think that there's a widespread expectation that rates will come down. Uh, you should never, you know, always hasten to say this, you should never borrow on the basis of needing rates to come down, you know, because you can't guarantee that. But I think there's a reasonable expectation that they will, and it's reasonable to borrow and hope that they will. And the last thing, kind of the wannabe vintner vignettes. You know, I'm, I'm the wannabe, very much a wannabe uh, uh, a vintner. Um, not a real one, don't play one. Um, but today I want to talk about uh, tannins. You know, what, what is a tannin? It's a polyphenol hydrogen, you know, it's, a, it's an organic chemical, hydrogen oxygen chemical compound. And you find it in skins and seeds, you know, so hence it's only in reds, you know, only, only red wines. You know, the tannins typically only in red wines because those are the wines that are um, fermented with the skins and the seeds for a time. Whites don't do that, so they don't get the tannins. Oak barrels can impart some tannins as well, too. And they have kind of a bitter taste. Think like a tea bag. you, know, you put that on your tongue or a walnut, um, super dark chocolate and wine. You know, th- those, that, that's, those, are, th- those are tannins. That's, that's what you're experiencing when you feel that kind of tingly dryness. Um, that's what tannin, you know, what a tannin does. Fuller-bodied reds um, tend to have more tannins, and tannins um, protect reds from oxidation because they bind to oxygen, mo- oxygen molecules and they protect, you know, protect the wine from oxidizing, which yeah you know, makes it go bad really fast. So there, there's that positive, positive. and then they also have tremendous health benefits that are associated with um, with these tannins. Tannins have been shown to um, to reduce the spread of cancer um, cholesterol, reduce bad cholesterol, increase good cholesterol, and also protect against liver disease. Now, not all of this has been demonstrated in humans. Um, so, you know, take that for what it's worth, but, uh, it's pretty cool. You know, and of course, you know, scriptures, Paul says, drink a little red wine for your stomach to Timothy. And, you know, so there you go. Even back in the ancient biblical times, the health benefits of wine were recognized. So that's it, take care.